Hey, what's up everybody? This is Life Coach D coming at you with the Live Series. And today's subject matter is titled, A Real Conversation. There's a real conversation that must be had about lawlessness, systemic racism, police brutality, and all of the above. I'll be back to discuss this subject. Musical credit to Public Enemy. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Life Coach D coming at you with the Live Series. And this particular subject matter is titled A Real Conversation. Let me say, first off, if any of you are highly offended or quickly offended by things that pertain to race or race relations, this may not be the episode for you to listen to, but please don't take everything that I talk about conversationally as it pertains to the Live Series as one that always deals with racism. This particular episode, which I do believe will carry over to several episodes, We'll deal with that, and so if that's not a conversation that you're comfortable with listening to, then this may not be for you. The things that will be discussed in this uh, particular podcast subject matter will be institutionalized and structural racism. I will talk about colorism. I will talk about prejudice. I will talk about systemic issues of racism, even from a biblical perspective. And so if you're ready to dig in, if you're ready to go ahead and deal with the real realities of what is manifesting today in 2020 as a result of institutionalized racism, excuse me, then stay tuned because we're going to dig in to a real conversation. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. James Baldwin. So what's up, everybody? Let's dig into this just a little bit. So let me give uh, credit to Public Enemy as I did as it introduced this podcast. And they were talking about Fight the Power. And I remember this being a very powerful thing, even in my rearing. That was right around the early 90s. I was at Tennessee State University at a black university. And um, I can't begin to tell you the racism and uh, um, different things that I dealt with as it pertains to me being a black man in Tennessee. Uh, being from Michigan, I realized very quickly when I got to the South that we were still considered niggers there. Um, and it was quickly revealed to me. So even as public, public enemy was talking about fight the power and, you know, they were um, giving their message because of what they were dealing with in their particular region. I was dealing with it first and foremost, right then and there in Nashville, Tennessee. Many, many stories that I tell in my book called The Mentality of Man from an African-American perspective. Um, and that's my shameless plug for my book. But I think my book is very pertinent to what is going on right now. So with that being said, I will have different sound bites throughout the podcast dealing with different things and I will come back and I will talk about what they mean and um, how they're represented. So as um, we continue with this, just stay tuned. I hope you enjoy this, but we're going to dig in pretty deep as it pertains to the subject of a real conversation that needs to be had about race and race relations in this country. I'll be back. Mayday, mayday. The earth is shaking. Who gonna save the babies from another bloody Sunday? I'm saying it mayday, mayday. They love me or they hate me for my skin color, but you say I am your brother, Kirk Franklin. So while getting started with this subject as it pertains to a real conversation, I wanted to bring some biblical clarity in the show, just a little bit of why we are where we are today. 
So I'll pick up at Genesis 10, 1, where it talks about Noah's kids. And if you know anything about the Bible, Noah was the one that was chosen to build an ark because God destroyed the earth with water. Now, for those of you who completely discredit the Bible, I get it. That's that's you. I mean, obviously, there are so many things that I can talk about that it pertains to my personal relationship with God. And that's not necessarily Christianity or a religious way of thinking that helps me to know that God is very real. And there's a lot of things that can be proven and, you know, things that have been preached from a, maybe a white evangelical perspective that uh, maybe the reason why people discredit the Bible. But with that being said, I just want to talk a little bit about this. So Noah had three kids and they were, and they were Sham, Ham, and Japheth. And so it's clearly uh, seen there uh, as you go down to verse six, Genesis chapter 10, verse six, that Ham had descendants. And some of his, some of his descendants um, were including Cush. Um, and Cush had several kids and they are... The, the, the excuse me the descendants of the modern day Ethiopians and modern day modern day Africa and some other places and so the reason I bring this up because even as you go into the 26th verse it talks a little bit about some of the conflict of what has happened and how um the there were different wars between people so um just know that Sham Ham and Japheth were Noah's three kids and black people came from him. It's important to note at this point, and some people may be very upset to know this, but this is, can be scientifically proven and it can be dated back that everything came from black, um, black, which is a dominant gene. And uh, even the Garden of Eden can be traced back to modern day Africa. So let me start with that. But as we go over into uh, Genesis 10, and then actually we skip over to the next book, we talk about Exodus and, and, and Exodus. Uh, we see we fast forward all the way up to the descendants of some of the Cushite kids or whatever. And then Moses comes on the scene. And the reason I bring up Moses, because Moses ended up marrying a black woman, but Moses was a Hebrew child. Um, but what's really interesting is that when he was, you know, given over to the Egyptians and there was a battle and, and the Egyptians were beating the Hebrews and Moses went over to save one of his brothers because originally he, he's a Hebrew man. He's a dark skinned man because it can be referenced that in those scriptures that when they came, well, actually Moses was found out. When they found out what was going on with Moses, the, uh, the Egyptians were like, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill us like you killed the other guy? And so Moses did commit a murder, and it was because he saw his people being uh, treated wrongly because he was originally a Hebrew. Now, it's important to note here that there is a difference between he the Hebrews and the Egyptians but it's very interesting to note also that they were all dark-skinned people. This is why Moses could not be completely mistaken for being somebody who didn't look like the Egyptians because their colors were similar. And I bring this up to say this, colorism and prejudice was in the Bible as well. And there was a lot of uh, fighting and bickering, biblically speaking, because of people from different backgrounds and and different ethnicities but keep in mind we all have come from the same three triplets and like i said that's that's another subject i could teach on actually if i didn't mention that i wrote about this in my first book the way things are broken down biblically they typically will tell you who the person is his descendants and their descendants and so on and so forth and it will go down individually but somehow when you look at genesis 10 and i'm going back genesis 10 1 it said in and Noah had three kids, Ham, Ham, and Japheth. And so in my study and actually looking at different commentary, I believe that they're triplets. I think it's so amazing that a God who I believe is perfect, and like I said, independent of religion and some of the things that have been 
teach and taught from a white evangel evangel evangelical perspective. Sorry, uh, you put all that to the side and you look at the purity of what we know a perfect God to be. It would be so perfect for him to have the human race be reestablished after the flood from triplets. I'll be back to continue. Mayday, mayday. They say the climate's changing. The poor people in the cold, but you keep preaching to their souls. But we don't leave until everybody's free, and we don't sleep until everybody eats. Until lives matter more than tithes matter. Kirk Franklin. Okay, so I thought I'd bring a little more clarity um, to what I was saying before. So once again, we have Genesis 10, where it talks about Noah's three kids. Then we fast forward to Exodus 2.11. Understand that the children of Israel were rebellious or what have you. Somehow they ended up in captivity. We know why they ended up in captivity. And so they were capt held captive by the Egyptians. And as I mentioned before, so this all makes sense, is that they all had to be of dark complexion. Keep in mind, all of the descendants of Ham or the modern day Ethiopia, um, the Kushites and whatever. So once again, it's all, our, our whole basis is black. So there are different shades of black, right? And so we talked about the colorism and the differences or whatever. So you go into Exodus, the ch second chapter. And uh, once again, for anybody who wants to, please go back and read this for just your own understanding because for the sake of time and how long this could actually be, I'm, trying to, I'm cutting and pasting things here. But in Exodus, the second chapter, we see where Moses was amongst a situation where Pharaoh had called for all of the males to be, uh, all the male children, Hebrew children born to be killed because they were reproducing crazily. And so, you know, in comes Moses. Moses is born, his mom puts him in his basket, she makes it, she puts him in the river, and he ends up over by the Egyptians, okay? Pharaoh's daughter grabs him, um, takes him to uh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, hey, find a Hebrew woman to feed them, because keep in mind, the Hebrew women were the ones that were in captive and they were also the ones that were being told that they're not supposed to have kids long story short he's nursed by his own mama which is just crazy how that all comes out he was nursed by his own mama and they end up um bringing him back to pharaoh um moses works for pharaoh but at the same time he was divided in his heart because he was originally a hebrew person and he wanted to take care of his people once again hebrews and egyptians both dark complected people um because everything came from black but there were colorism issues. The Hebrews were under the Egyptians, all people of color. Okay, that's important to note as it pertains to this subject um, that we're talking about in this real conversation. So if we fast forward to Numbers, the first chapter, and it talks about a conflict that Moses was having with some people. And he sent you the conflict. Once again, please go back and read this because I'm paraphrasing all this. Keep in mind, the conflict started off being, hey, well, Moses, we don't like what you're doing. But it ends up being, we don't like that woman you married. And so the Hebrews were mad because um, obviously Moses, well, not obviously, Moses ends up escaping Pharaoh. I told you a little bit about the story prior to where he killed the uh, Egyptian and Pharaoh was pissed. And so he ended up running away. He ends up in a place, another place where there's more colored people. Um, helped out these women who were sent out to go and fetch water. They were being harassed by some people. Moses took care of them, helped the women get what they needed. They went back and said, hey, this Egyptian dude helped us out. Once again, how could they mistake Moses for being an Egyptian when he was a Hebrew if they did not look similar? 
Once again, a lot of this stuff is not biblically taught to us. So those of us who are church or whatever, we ain't hearing about all of this, you know, because we, we were taught the Bible from a white perspective. But anyway, my point is, they're saying, yeah, this Egyptian guy helped us out. And he's like, well, bring him to us. He came to this to, to this place. He ended up being a sojourner there. Um, after, obviously, that's what he named his first son. But he ended up marrying a, a, a black woman named Samora. Okay, so he marries her. That was his first wife. And there are issues with Sephora going back to numbers. Let me make sure I got, I'm giving you guys the right reference. Excuse me, Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, where they have this conflict, but it ended up being, oh, yeah, by the way, we don't like your woman. And the reason they ain't like her, because she was a darker, reflective woman. Now, on that note, let me tell you some of the things that have come out of black. Some of the things that have come out of black um, as it pertains to children. Um, it's, it's very important to note that you have Cush. Uh, let me, let me get my notes here. You have Cush. That means black. You have Kushan. That means their blackness. And then you have Ethiopia. That means their blackness as well. And so when you look at Kush, you look at Kushan and you look at all these are different ways to say black, their blackness or black. Everything came from black. This is so important to know. I said all of that to say, eventually Moses ends up um, marrying several women, but both his women were black. And it was issues back in the day dealing with them being not of the same tribe, but they were all different black people, different colors, different shades or whatever. And it wasn't so much they was mad because it was a white woman or whatever, but it was conflict amongst dark skinned people. Very important to note, and I wanted to give you this biblical history of how colorism and prejudice is even dated back biblically. Okay, now we'll move forward. The government keeps lying to me, telling me that they're gonna set the people free. Cut the power phones when you catch us on our knees. Heaven please, we're in a state of emergency. Kirk Franklin. So now that I've laid somewhat of a biblical foundation, we can fast forward into where we are um, in, in, as it pertains to the history of even Christianity. So obviously we know if you go back to 1619, where the first ship, slave ships landed over here. Keep in mind uh, that the founding fathers were trying to escape the tyranny of England. They didn't want to be made to be Catholic. And so this is where Thomas Jefferson's famous quote, for all men were created equal, came from. But it's important to note and understand that all men created equal pertain to only white men, not black people, because keep in mind, we were not considered humans, uh, three-fifths of the human, which, you know, that's a whole nother story um, that's been misinterpreted. But we were not considered anything less than property um, because of the way the Constitution was written. We had no rights. So if you look at the Constitution and everybody talks about, you know, what the Constitution stands for and it's any other until the Constitution is ratified, it doesn't really pertain to us. Now, the Civil Rights Movement came and ratified some things, but it never dealt with economics. My whole point with that is this. When Thomas Jefferson made that statement, we weren't a part of that conversation. He literally was talking about the founding fathers being equal to those men of England because of where they were and how this country started. That's so important to note. With that being said, here we are. Um, slaves have been brought over. And then we go through these different phases, which I'll name shortly after this, and then I'll talk about them one by one. 
So even from a biblical perspective, it was against the law for us to read the Bible. We would be beaten, sometimes murdered. Um, as a result of that, we were not allowed to be educated. And keep in mind, this is the law. And so this is the systemic stuff that we don't really want to discuss or talk about. So everything that we learned biblically was the regurgitation of what slave owners told us it meant. And part of that was separation, separatism. Uh, whites are supposed to be whites, blacks are supposed to be with blacks and all of these things. So keep in mind, this is the genesis of the blacks in America's experience. And even biblically, things have been misconstrued. And this is why I wanted to give you some clarity on why colorism and how colorism played a huge role in part, even biblically, but how that even that was stripped from us because we were never taught that with clarity. But now, you know, in 2020 or even years prior to now, knowledge and understanding allows us to be able to go back and study scripture so we can get our own clarity. So we move forward into what I want to lead up to next. Stay tuned. We need a strong God. We need a real God. The God with the resurrection power from the grave to take away the hate, to heal the human race. Kirk Franklin. Here are the stages of slavery that led us up to where we are today. Number one, the international slave trade. Number two, the middle passages. Number three, institution of slavery. Number four, Reconstruction. Number five, Jim Crow. Number six, the Civil Rights Movement. And finally, number seven, the new Jim Crow. So let's dig in a little bit. The international slave trade. Well, of course, we know that, that was when all of the slaves were being brought over to uh, the West Indies from Africa and the process of, of us being sold and uh, the process of us going from where our homeland was over to here. And then the Middle Passages is the same scenario. It's um, it's that process where we were being transported over. And obviously this is all the basis of what was happening as slaves were being captured and then being brought over to the Americas. And then you get into the institution of slavery. Um, the institution of slavery was where it became a business. Uh, we were sold, we were bartered and traded uh, amongst other white men and so that you know the lands could prosper as a result of free labor and things like that. In between the institution of slavery and reconstruction, I wanna talk a little bit about, so as it pertains to uh, the institution of uh, slavery and then reconstruction, reconstruction was during the civil war. Obviously the civil war we know was when the North was fighting the West and uh, excuse me, the North was, fighting the South and that whole scenario. So I think so many things have been misconstrued and let me bring clarity even here as to where we are in history and what is not really being properly taught. So people think that oh, Abraham, freed, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves because he just so, he cared so much for, for no, he ain't care for no slaves. He had slaves himself. The reason he freed them because the, it was the battle between the North and the South and the North was pissed off because they couldn't make money on slaves like the South. That's the whole reason why the whole Civil War um, took place and, and that whole, you know, thing took place. It had nothing to do with how much he loved to care for black people. Now, note this as well. Did I feel like Abraham Lincoln had an epitome, excuse me, had a, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? 
shared some empathy for black people yeah because he was a wick a, mix, a mixed man a lot of people don't know that abraham lincoln was mixed and he was teased about being mixed now what form of mixed he was i don't know but i believe that dude had some brother him in him somewhere if you look at him you could tell that he was a little bit dark complected white and he wasn't a high complected white anyway i digressed so with that being said let's look at 1863 to 1865 when they began to talk about the emancipation proclamation um, once again, some of this stuff I've written in my book, The, uh, the Mentality of Man from African-American Perspective. So from 1863 to 1865, they were going through this whole thing where finally, you know, we had, you know, the war had been fought and we were fighting for, you know, um, they were fighting for, for us to, to, to move forward into freedom and what it looked like. It's crazy to know, but this is the history of this country. And this is why I want to make this clear that, so people can understand why we are where we are. I will say this over and over throughout this entire series. When they, quote unquote, freed us in 1865, they did it because it was a freaking war and they kind of had to do it. It wasn't that their hearts were so poured out and so passionate for black people. No, maybe you had a few people that cared, but the majority of people was like, how can we make money off these? And then they went from how can we make money off these black folks to, oh my God, all these Negroes got all the jobs. What are we going to do? Here's your history. Your history, which is not taught in schools, is this. The first thing that they did is they created labor unions. And this is why I'm not necessarily pro unions per se, because I know the history of unions. They created labor unions so it would uh, exit black people out of jobs. Why? Because we did everything. We did the mortaring, we did the building, we did the cooking, we did the farming, we did everything. And so there were a lot of uneducated and lazy white folks that did not have work to do because we did it all. So they created labor unions and they created a circle. This is one of the first circles they created, one of the, the ways of keeping blacks out so that we could not get jobs. The next thing for those who want to be upset about, uh, especially in California, Mexicans and how many illegal people are in this country or whatever. The next thing that they did is they opened up the borders. They hated black people so much that they wanted people to come from other nations to prosper over us. Those are the two things they did. And I will note this. Not only did they bring people over, they promised white people land. Here's another note that most people need to understand. America has lied a lot of times, and here's one of the first lies they told black people, is when they freed us, they, were, they promised us 40 acres and a mule. Do you know we never have gotten that to this day? That's another conversation for later as it pertains to reparations for black people. But they promised white folks that came over land. They gave them land. They gave them all these different things because they wanted other people to prosper over black people in this country. Last note I'll make on this is the Statue of Liberty was a gift to America from France. Most people also don't know this because it's not taught in history, is that the first version of the Statue of Liberty looked like a black woman. Why? Because it was a gift to the Americas from France to the slaves. That's why if you look at the in caption that's on the bottom it's talking about bring us your weary and your 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 um your, your heavy laid now and i'm misquoting it but it's talking to slaves and that's why it's a shackle on the foot but if you look at the statue of liberty because they rejected the first version it looks like a white woman it has a skinny nose and it has the features of something that did not look like us how crazy is it that most people don't even realize that the crown that she is wearing Lady, Lady Liberty is wearing a crown that's a traditional African crown. So these are things that just are not talked about in history. 
And it's really irritating to me because these things need to be talked about in history because it, it gives clarity as to why we are where we are. So let me pick back up. So we go from uh, the institution of slavery to reconstruction. Reconstruction was during that time, that civil war time where they were trying to, to see where we fit. Let me tell you this. There was a lot of insurrections and things that happened along the way. And this is part of the reason why colorism is huge, because one of the things that was a law back in the slave days, and I'm going to go back to Reconstruction, this just came to me right now, was that if you were a snitch, if you were a slave that would go tell on other slaves, um, you would be rewarded. Um, and I get into mandatory, uh, mat oh God, let me get back to that. I'll come back to that later. But anyway, so they were rewards for people who would talk about uh, or tell on other slaves about, you know, future um, uh, raids or pu uh, future escape, escape tents, uh, es <laughs> escape attempts. You were rewarded as a slave if you did that. And this is part of the reason why black people to this day are pent against each other. It started way back in the day. And obviously the slave masters were very smart. And what they did is because they wanted to divide us because if we were unified, we would we could have destroyed them. Obviously, you bring up Nat Turner and some of the things that happened. Back then with his, the way he was able to take over and do the things he did, and that's because he 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 went through the okie doke and he got some people together that was willing to fight, uh, a fight to the death. Even uh, this is not noted, and I learned this when I was in Africa, a lot of, a lot of uh, slave revolts took place before people ever made it over here because they were willing to fight to the death. And some people will fight to the death and some people jumped over uh, into the, the dangerous waters because they knew that they were headed to a place that was not going to be uh, good for them. And so it's just a little history. So as it pertains to the laws, as it pertains to uh, pinning black people against each other, another thing that was done is you had the people who were raped by the masters who ended up in, you know, the homes uh, of, of the, the slave owners and they were considered, you know, the fair complected uh, uh, people, they were considered house niggers. And then you had the people outside who, 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 were, who, were, who were considered the field niggers. That was the ones that was out there baking in the sun and they did all of the hard and toiled labor. Even that became a battle. That light skin, dark skin battle um, that started with, with the slaves, with the slave owners, and they knew what they were doing then. It was all about divide, divide and conquer. That thing is a dichotomy that still exists in us today. And so there's a lot of history that dates back um, to some of the things and some of the mindsets and some of the behaviors and attitudes that African-Americans or black people, they didn't call us a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to just say color, folks of color, uh, melanated people, should I say, deal with today. And it's all dated back to systemic racism and the genesis of this country. So I will continue with Reconstruction uh, when I return. When people show you who they are, believe them. Dr. Maya Angelou. So Reconstruction was a period that lasted between 1863 to 1877. And this was a pivotal point um, in terms of the civil liberties and civil rights of Americans, or excuse me, uh, black folks in this country. But as I explained uh, a little bit earlier, um, it had nothing to do with us completely being free. 
we were no longer quote unquote slaves and even the south at that point didn't know that's why we celebrate what's called the modern day juneteenth is because that's when the south found out or parts of the south found out that they were free because when it initially happened it was not public notice it, it wasn't something that even the, the the southern states do and so people were still being enslaved i would say even during this time so that's the period of reconstruction then from reconstruction we get into jim crow and everybody knows about the jim crow laws jim crow laws fell under um you know the the white water fountain and the black water fountain black people were not able to to go into white restaurants we weren't able to do all these different things and so here we are the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1865, but then we go into Reconstruction where they were still dividing us, brought in labor unions, brought in white folks that could get land and get free and, all, and right into Jim Crow. And this is amazing to me that people don't understand that between 1865 to 1965, why Martin Luther King was, was marching about what was going on. So I'll be back with more on Jim Crow. I will continue to condemn riots and continue to say to my brothers and sisters that this is not the way. In the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. So here we are with Jim Crow. Jim Crow was the era between 1877 and 1950 or the 1950s. This was a little less than 70 four years where all of this stuff began to take place different things that took place during the jim crow era we had the separation going on we had the continuation of people being uh allowed to come over to this country especially white people where they were given land for free um once again because of the hatred of black people we have redlining what was redlining well redlining was all of uh the districts where they drew a red line and anything that was outside of that red line that was considered a ghetto or was considered bad area and white folks would not move in that area and then we have greenwood in tulsa oklahoma the black wall street 1921 before 1921 and the destruction of this community it was a black owned community of black people people of, of stature people of education they had a progressive community some of the technology was better than white communities modern day plumbing banking the money changed hands multiple times and i'm got to give you history and you guys need to understand this for those that uh, that don't think that america must deal with this original scene in, in, in america it is a bad place because of what it did and it's never been addressed nor has there been an apologies for this in 1921 they hated blacks so much still even at that point they did not want us to progress keep in mind this is all legal how dare us be able to prosper and people who say that 9-11 was the first act of domestic terrorism in the united states was a lie the first act of domestic terrorism was in 1921 when white folks flew planes into greenwood north uh, excuse me Greenwood in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and destroyed an entire community because of the hatred of black people and the progression that black people walked in during that time. They burnt the entire community down to the ground. And once again, here we see the destruction of black folks in the United States of America, but this is a part of our history. These are the things that need to be taught in American history because we want to pull out the fluffy parts. We want to pull out the stuff that we think is important or the powers that we think is important. But this is a part of our history as well. Once again, until we're willing to deal with that and address these issues, we'll never have a clear understanding as to why we are where we are today. But that's the Jim Crow era. I'm tired of marching. 
This now leads us to the Civil Rights Movement in 1954. This is when Martin Luther King began to arise on the scene. He began to do all kind of marches and he began to do all these different things for the progression of black people in this country. The Civil Rights Movement was met with much resistance. Uh, people were hosed down with water hose. People were attacked, people were spit on, people were bitten by dogs. Uh, people were murdered, lynched. Uh, Emmett Till arises during this time where he was, he was completely brutalized and his mom made sure that his casket would open because she wanted the whole world to see what white folks were capable of doing to black people. Um, during this era, you would have lynchings and you would have, uh, and I think this is pretty sadistic, but this is the history of this country and the mindset of, of, of white folks in, in, it, in this country's history. They would literally lynch people and they would have people hung dead and they would literally, as a celebratory moment, have a lunch under a dead carcass of a black person. This is the history that this country uh is drenched in and this is what we have derived out of and this is where we are once again unrepented actions of people so from 1954 going on the way up into the early 1960s martin luther king marched he did a lot of things uh and the civil rights movement was a major for a lot of progression uh, this is where the constitution was ratified you had the 13th 14th and the 15th amendment that were then uh, uh added to um, the Constitution and it pertained to the freedoms of black folks. It's important to note here too, and this is no downplay to any other community, but even if people get offended, I'm sorry, it's the truth. The civil rights movement was written specifically to black people and those who try to fall under the civil rights movement now today, whether it's uh, alternative uh, communities, whether it's the disabled community, which I'm part of, so trust me, um, I get it. Um, Title IX, all of these different things that fall under the civil rights movement, literally that was pertaining to black people only. And let me go ahead and dispel uh, a little uh, uh, misnomer here as well, just because I think it's important to note here. Affirmative action, which is also a fallout of some things that, that happened uh, in, our, in this country's history. It's, it's a big misnomer that affirm affirmative action benefited black people the most. The number one beneficiary for affirmative action was white women. And once again, if you don't do your own research and you don't do your own study, you will walk around ignorant thinking that black people took white folks' jobs because that was a big fall. Um, excuse me, that was a big fallout. And that was a big lie that was told. Once again, a narrative being spent. But you can go and research this. The number one beneficiary, please note, the number one beneficiary for affirmative action was white women. So as I back up again um, and, and talk about the continuation of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment and how they were specific to black people, there are lawsuits, lawsuits today that are the, government, the federal government is being sued by because people are trying to fall under those civil rights when they were specifically written to black people. And I think it's important to note that I think it should be that way. And once again, this is as a this is a disabled person speaking where some of the disability rights have come under. And I think disability, we need to have our own uh, category because the things that have come out of the civil rights movement have left black people on the bottom because everybody else has come and been able to benefit from it more than black people. And so um, this is the civil rights movement. And the last thing I will say, um, and then we'll go into the new Jim Crow, is you got to understand when Martin Luther King was murdered, and this is what a lot of people don't know. His wife sued the federal government for his murder and they actually won. 
Let it be known that when Martin Luther King was shot outside of the hotel, he did not die. He died actually in the hospital. Um, by the powers that be, he was smothered to death. And this is why you can look this up once again. Coretta Scott King and her family were awarded thousands upon thousands of dollars because they were able to prove that Martin Luther King did not die on that balcony, but he died in the hospital. My point is this. Martin Luther King was able to do whatever he wanted as long as he stayed within the confines of what white folks wanted him to talk about. But when he started the moral movement, when he started the people's campaign, the poor people's campaign is when he was murdered. Understand that when we were freed, quote unquote freed in, in 1865, when the Emancipation Proclamation was introduced and then it was signed into law, but yet a hundred years later, Martin Luther King was still marching and fighting for this. It had nothing to do with economical advancement for black people, which has put us in a place right now today where we're still economically uh, disparaged as a whole people. Not that there are some you know, people in sex sections here and there who, who've been able to retain wealth or whatever. Unfortunately, most of our wealth has been, in, uh, has been acquired through us running around with basketballs and footballs and, and uh, being comedians and uh, uh, some of the things that white folks have always enjoyed and that's entertainment. But there as a whole, as a whole people, economical disparagement was never addressed. And so here we are today dealing with the same thing. Last thing I will say, and I will clear this up, going back to Martin Luther King. The very moment he began to talk about the poor people's campaign and how we need to be advanced as people as it pertains to economics was the moment they took him out. Martin Luther King was conflicting. And you could tell if you really listen to his speeches, even I have a dream. Most people want to quote the last part of that speech, but they don't want to talk about the first part about it. Uh, the first part of the speech where he's making clear it's about economical advancement for black people. He began to be conflicted in his heart. And that's why his his tune began to change. And the last thing he said was like, the next time we go to march, we go to march on Washington, we coming for her check. That is when the powers that be murdered him because he started talking about economical advancement for black people. Just a little history on the civil rights movement. I'll be back. If you can only be tall because somebody's on their knees, then you have a serious problem. And my feeling is white people have a very, very serious problem. And they should start thinking about what they can do about it. Take me out of it. So I very purposefully ended this podcast of this particular episode with Toni Morrison giving very, very powerful words about the mindset and mentality of white folks. So as this continues, I want everybody to be encouraged, enlightened, and to understand that all of this is to bring history, is to bring perspective, and is to help us with clarity moving forward. Because if we don't know our history and we don't know the past, it is impossible to go into the future in a positive manner. So until you hear from me again, I want you to remember your lives are very valuable. God bless you in everything you do, and peace be the journey.